This is the one with the reborn identity. Two entirely unconnected identical boundary gateways. Shobagan and Tell. Doctor Who Redacted. And the old biodampener decoy human signal trick. Textbook. It's called The Timeless Children. Here we go. Whistle on our epic phrase. All through time and all through space. Whistle being an angel sound. Dalek, Cyber, Zood, and Wow! Counting Sonic's rating out. From the poor to the sublime. Eccleston to Whitaker. Let's agree it's about time. Who back when? Reviewing on you who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Rose and Donna. Amy Pond. Rory Clara. And beyond. Join, Join us on this side to see what other choice could there be. But who back when? Who back when? What, oh dearest podcast land, and welcome to what is absolutely undoubtedly <laughs> going to be another legendary episode of Who Back When, the Doctor Who podcast. Oh, Doc Pass. Some would say, yes, indeed. Oh, who is that? Why, uh, podcast land, you will be delighted to know that I am gazing across the breadth of my desk at my co-host drew hello drew hello we're off to a perfect start it's me no heavy breath thing now (laughs) and i am leon and today we are discussing the timeless children yes we are we are finally here as in you've been waiting for this well this has been set up in part and now in whole since the ghost monument oh good I thought you were going to say for 60 years. No, I was. (laughs) No, 1963 has nothing to do with what we saw today. That is true. Yeah, that is true. For better or worse, and I'm sure we will get into it, I want to ask two questions, usually just the high level. That's one of the two. High level, how do you feel about it? And how do you feel about this retro rewrite? High level, high level. High level, I think this episode does not stand up to a rewatch. Okay. Which I will go into some more detail about. And this retro rewrite, goodness, it's not even finished. No. They leave a lot of it open. So it's frustrating now that Jodie is at the end of her run to have got basically no further with it. That is true. They smeared Tipex or other X kinds of words Uh over (laughs) the history to date and then just left it there. Do you think that there were plans to delve deeper into any of this? It's all speculation. Had there been a few more episodes, I don't know. Okay, right. This is post-B-Scow material, but yeah. Division, for example, do we ever find out more about that? I'm, I'm not sure we do. We, I would, I'm almost certain we don't. Yeah. At least to date. It's there for RTD to do with it what he will, or to gracefully place a veil over but leon leon i've given you so many unadorned opinions Uh what do you think yeah yeah okay so Hmm. well (laughs) (laughs) my opinion of this episode is multifaceted oh check out all his facets (laughs) (laughs) but among them so let's say there's something about the rewriting the backstory rewriting doc's backstory adding the division stuff blah 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 the writing in general does bombastic nature of this episode blah 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 the fact that someone has gone out of their way to do something new with all the lore yeah i want to put a massive pin in this because i will tear this episode to shreds over the next hour and a half mm-hmm. but i really wasn't that dismayed by the backstory when i rewatched this last night oh that's so yeah. unexpected i remembered this taking a gigantic steaming dump on my entire childhood and this fandom and 
overall, I think it only manages to kind of fart on it. It's, <laughs> it. That's not a good thing. It's just not as dramatic as I remembered it being. Yeah. Pin. Pin. And that <laughs> fart apparently clears quite quickly because it's barely lingered to the present day. Mm. Year of the gas leak. Year of the literal <laughs> gas leak. <laughs> Oh, perfect. I'm not topping that before we start on a B-scale. Right, well, B-scale it is then. Let's. <laughs> Time for us to synopsize, levify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brief and listen to this overview, this free-for-all. We like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who. Transported through the boundary gateway to a post-apocalyptic Gallifrey, the Master imprisons the Doctor inside the Matrix, where he sets about rewriting six decades of lore, carefully crafted by generations of BBC writers, by way of a retconning drinking game. Regeneration, we learn, was spliced into Gallifreyan genes from an immortal child hailing from goodness knows where, ostensibly making said child the unwitting creator god of the Time Lords. And by a coincidence of Skywalkerian proportions, Said inadvertent deity grew up to become the Doctor. Not to worry, there's way too much other stuff going on here as well. In the real world, the Master has welcomed a Shad, his Death Particle, and his fleet of cyber warriors to Gallifrey. And the only peeps who can save the day are the Extended Fam, with Yaz and Graham ordering the remaining humans to scoop out Cybermen on one side, and Ryan, younger, better Ryan, and what's-his-face Barristan Selmy from Game of Thrones running around the community blanket fort on the other, the Cybes don't stand a chance. Tectayun, Tectayun, Tectayun be praised. Oh, I'm already tipsy. B-Scout over. You are welcome. <laughs> See, you wrote that B-Scout, uh-huh. and I read that first paragraph, and I was like, his opinion definitely hasn't changed. But what? Oh, spoiler alert. I've already written a numerical value that I'm assigning this. You may talk me up. You may talk me down. Who knows? And it is not a high number. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> By any stretch. I still don't think I'll be yeah. talking you up. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm honest. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe some of Podcast Land will make us regret our ungenerosity. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know about you, but I have a million questions about this episode. Okay, can we start with a mere couple of thousand? Okay, wh- why don't I just start off with something something just to warm us up a little bit. Why isn't this called the Timeless Child? Because they're all the Master's children? I did think that. Maybe. Or are the Time Lords the children of... Uh, of Tech Tayun's adoptive what? So they'd be the timeless grandchildren? Yeah, no, it doesn't... It the doesn't. timeless stepchildren? Yeah, why is this the timeless children? In fact, on the websites, where the little field where I input, oh, next New Who episode, blah, 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 I even r- r- entered it incorrectly. I wrote the timeless child, because that was the logical title to assign to this episode. I get the feeling that in the last episode, I said, next up, it's the timeless child. Well, there you go, yeah, because <laughs> it's the intuitive thing. Yeah... Okay, other questions. I already asked you how you feel about the retro rewrite higher level. It the, is the great reset it's the of March 2020. The actual great reset of March 2020. Wait, what was the other great reset of 2020? That was the conspiracy theory, wasn't it? That they released COVID into the world oh, to devastate re- the population oh, and give it, give it to the rich <laughs> as if the rich didn't all fucking have it already. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> It is the great reset in the room, so we should address that. 
I've already asked you about it high level. How about a retro rewrite of the retro rewrites? Okay. How would you feel about this backstory if it weren't the doctor? So, yes, there was a timeless child, but that timeless child did not grow up to be the doctor. And if it can't be the doctor, it can't be the master, it can't... It shouldn't be any of them. Well, it can't be the Rani, it can't be Borussia, who gets mentioned here very quickly. Oh, um, I missed that. I could maybe be okay with it being Rassilon, because Rassilon's a pretty arrogant king president or whatever he is yeah. kind of dude and that might motivate that more naturally and also sorry to interrupt but also because Rassilon is a massive dickwad yeah yeah it means you don't have to feel too much sympathy for this child because you know that this child grows grows up to be this massive dickwad yeah or possibly it kind of excuses him because you're like yeah well obviously he grew up to be a dickwad because someone was like, conducting experiments on him well, oh, yes. And no, I did not forget the name Tectoon. <laughs> <laughs> the 400 times I heard that hadn't slipped out of my memory bank quite yet. So if we were to remove that Skywalker element, okay. of obviously this is the chosen one. Obviously everything... The, can't just be some person if there is a messiah if there is a creator then obviously it has to be the protagonist we've been following for decades yeah and they have to be walking around having just dropped out of the sky where this <laughs> gateway is yeah so if we remove that how do you feel about the retro rewrite and so we get to keep the doctor's childhood i know that they haven't overwritten that they've given her multiple childhoods yeah. <laughs> additional we would, childhoods. we would basically just have the fact that the time lords stole regeneration from whoever this whoever this child was we still today don't know where she came from right so yeah yeah they could still take all of this as it is in an interesting direction in several interesting directions yeah. there could be a blooming division spin-off series rtd if you're listening i'm sure he's already thought of it what am i saying don't don't don't, don't. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll give ireland something to do ireland's actors game of thrones is finished hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> So is that a... It's a qualified, provisional kind of maybe yes. It's okay. Oh, okay. Right. Because that's kind of how I felt about it. The only thing that bothers me is that it's Doc. That's re not the only thing. There are plenty of things in this episode that bother me. But as far as this retro rewrite is concerned, that's the only thing that ticks me off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. I, I'm going to bombard you with questions. I know. Wanna... I'm going to bombard you with a question. Okay, pong my ping. Are you aware of the Cartmel Master Plan? This has come up in a listener mini at some point. Mm -hmm. You know who Andrew Cartmel is? Did he write the Brain of Morbius? No. I don't know. He's Does this a have writer. something to do with Brain of Morbius? I don't know. Not necessarily. He's at least a writer, maybe the lead writer, but not the script editor when it comes to Seventh Doctor times. Oh, I see. Right. Yeah. No, no, no. Okay. Sorry. Okay. So they had a plan, him and some of his writers, not John Nathan Turner, who was also working on the scripts and who tended to take these things out of the finished episode. But the plan was that throughout the latter part of Sylvester McCoy's tenure as the Doctor, and now I'm reading almost directly from Tardis Wikia, they would have dropped hints of the Doctor's actual origins, so oh. to say. Like, they would have retconned him back then. But because the show was cancelled and there was conflict in the writer's room, very little of this master plan ever made it to the screen. The overall plan was to reveal that the Doctor was some form of a reincarnation of the Other, a mysterious figure from Gallifrey's past who helped form the Time Lord Society and perfect their time travel technology. Which doesn't sound too different no. 
from this. Yeah. I think Chibbers is setting himself up as Andrew Cartmel too, or in some way doing what he would have done if the classic series hadn't been cancelled. And there will be hints about mysterious origins and weird powers Sylvester McCoy has that other Doctors didn't have in series 25 and 26 if you keep your eyes and ears peeled. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, keep watching. Well, I intend to. (laughs) (laughs) Why stop now? Right. That is very interesting. Yeah. This has definitely come up before. I wonder if this came up when... Because we've sort of reviewed this-ish, have we? We've talked about this on the podcast before. The Timeless Children? Yeah. We haven't reviewed this episode proper, but we have maybe talked about the season of the Whittaker era, or maybe this came up when we did the next bonus. Not bonus, then a special. I believe so. Revolution of the Daleks, yes. Someone did bring this up, certainly, as a, hey, what's your beef, dudes? Because... This has been, this is Whovian law. This has been the plan all along. Right, yeah. yeah. And that quite possibly it even goes further back to the brain of Morbius, in fact, that the reason... Oh, the Morbius doctors, of course. Exactly, which we get to see in this episode, right? Like all those faces that, no, the plan was that Hartnell wasn't necessarily going to have been the first one Yada, yada, yada. Were the Morbius Doctor's faces in that Super Smash cut? Yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool. Kind of. It's the way Chibbers chooses to legitimize this throughout the televised canon, I think. But I think there's something else behind the scenes, which is effectively what you've hinted at, that there was intention on the side of the writers or the BBC to expand the identity of the Doctor in a way that was never actually televised. Yeah, and for the super fans, all of this did eventually come to fruition in the Virgin New Adventures series of novels. Oh, really? Yeah. Canon? Pseudo-canon? Deuterocanonical? (laughs) Uh, uh, Well, (laughs) it's closer to canon than ever before, thanks to Chris Chibnall, who just thought, I can do that in a more elegant way. Yeah, but could and should are two different things. Mm. And in general, this is what ticks me off about it. I don't want the Doctor to be special in this regard. Oh, absolutely. We've already said two things that relate quite closely to my least favourite part of the episode. Oh, yeah? Which is the Super Smash Cut. I hadn't spotted the Morbius Doctors. The inclusion of that is a nice touch. It is, yeah, certainly. But I really really don't like the way the Doctor overloads the Matrix just by summoning all of her history. No. (laughs) And giving herself a slight headache for a few seconds. She blows up matrices the way that Donald Trump declassifies documents. With her mind, it's a bizarro. It's utterly bizarro. Why would she do... Why would she be able to do that? Well, she... First of all, she shouldn't. If this kind of thing were possible, then the seventh Doctor could have done that when he was feeding the giant brain in Time and the Ronnie. The Matrix is a repository of Time Lord minds. All she's doing... Time Lord minds. All their memories and experiences, the repository of all Time Lord knowledge. Exactly. A huge chunk of which has been deleted, i.e. space on the hard drive has been freed up. She (laughs) only has... 12 and a bit lives to remember. Yeah. Plus the faces in the Morbius episode. That's it. She, she She's not filling up that space. And even if she did, all she'd get would be a blink. You've run out of space. Please <laughs> f- d- delete the pawn in the folder marked accounting and then try again. You know. Yeah, it doesn't work on an essential or a thematic level. She's been plugged 
into this matrix before when she left division or he left division we don't know and it bested her then it sandblasted poor old brendan's mind hole yeah and he he or she was defenseless so that's another disappointment for me we didn't get enough brendan in this one uh-huh. why did we have half an episode last week or two weeks ago in who back when time yeah devoted to brendan if he's not going to come back except in a flashback of one just like frame or whatever it is that we get to see here why couldn't we have those two plot lines continue why couldn't we get to see brendan reboot whatever happens after he's had his electro therapy yeah because uh, i don't have a good reason for you it's just a very poorly handled part of the episode i did not like the fact that the master had been beaming this into the doctor's mind that actually she had been experiencing all this weird Irish slash not a dream sequence stuff while last week's shenanigans were going on. Because yeah. she we never saw her reacting no, to exactly. that. No, exactly. That was a shock to me when this time when she said, hey, I've been thinking about Ireland. Well, yeah, it, yeah. Hey, we're all guilty of that. We all think about Ireland every now and then, but we don't necessarily think that we're fucking <laughs> Mosesing in the middle of the street. Thank you very much. Like, we had no... I had no idea that she had any recollection of that thing. To me, it was just a shit thing that we watched last week i didn't think it was a shit thing i know i said shit thing i actually really liked it but like it was just a thing (laughs) that we watched yeah it's annoyed us is is what you're getting at yeah and the point is we can't see the segue to and from the doctor looking distant or something because then of course it gives exactly away immediately that she is baby brendan moses (laughs) yeah but master he's almost he almost sounds caring in that moment being like yeah, I thought I owed it to you in some way to transmit Tectoyan's last clue or enigma into your mind because some people out there needed to see it on their televisions. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's not grounded in his reality. So uh, He doesn't have a better side. He says so in this episode. A better nature. There's something else that ticks me off about the master's reaction to all of this he says we were all lied to yep so what man was this really that bad like does it matter i get that from the master's point of view oh no now he somehow needs to credit doc for his life and he doesn't want that because he hates love hates her whatever but what does it matter politicians lie to us all the time like what does it matter is it really that big a deal that there was a kid that you spliced these traits from is that is that worse than if you were created in a lab? This wasn't a natural thing. We know that. Like, what? what what's the big deal, man? How is this the, a betrayal? The, the big deal is this master, perhaps more than previous masters, certainly Missy, John Sim, maybe not much more. John Sim just like being a complete dick, though. This master implacably hates the Doctor specifically. Of all the beings in the universe, the Doctor is number one on his shit list. So did the classic Doctor, uh, classic Masters. Okay, okay, yeah. well then that tracks. And so he is reacting to, not only have I had to put up with this insufferable goody two-shoes my entire life, some part of them is within every cell of my body. Every time I've regenerated, and I couldn't really care less about dying, which seems a little unmastery, but whatever. I have to come back to life again and again because of you. Yeah, yeah. Like, I am not just, a, it's not just like a, a little toe of me that I owe to you. It's, it's you're suffused throughout my entirety. Which Ugh. is actually a very interesting 
aspects of his psychology in this episode. There are a couple of occasions where he wants to die. He wants to be destroyed. Yeah. He tries to trigger the death particle even without the Doctor anywhere nearby. Yeah, and his musings after that in the corridor with Tiny Ashad, yeah. I think probably his best moment. In well, certainly, episode. yeah. This is some of my favourite This Master we've had. Oh, really? Yeah, and because I did find him maybe a little bit over the top before. He was sort of low-rent Heath Ledger as the Joker before. <laughs> and then he goes... He he goes very annoying, at least to me. I find him very annoying later on. In Power of Doc- the Doctor, fuck off, Master. So annoying to me. So over the top. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that possibly he wants to... Do- maybe he... May- sorry, this is what I'm trying to say. Maybe it's that he wants to... He wants to not have a choice to regenerate at this point because that's almost enabling the Doctor to constantly sort of, quote-unquote, save him. Oh, that's, that's interesting. That's an interesting aspect to his psychology. Yeah. See, I found him very annoying and over the top here. He really? had his moments, but I saw this whole episode as basically a dress rehearsal for the power of the Doctor. It wasn't quite as long, but it was pretty much as chaotic. And Been told that before. hey <laughs> <laughs> And the level of peril seemed pitched about the same, and everything's just going on and... Flipping it, they're even past doctors. Joe Martin is back. Yeah, but is it Joe Martin or is it Whitaker's recollection of, you know, is she just a figment of her imagination within the Matrix? I think you could argue either way. I think or is, is she Joe Martin in the Matrix? Oh, I doubt that. I sort of think it's Jodie's projection of her in a way. It's almost like another way of talking to herself. And then a minute later, she's like, oh, I'm talking to myself again, when well, she's just been doing that. But yeah. But, oh, is that one of your questions? No, your but but in my notes, <laughs> I did just scroll down to that. In my notes, I've written, oh, it was doing pretty well until Doc started talking to herself. <laughs> <laughs> and then uses mind power to blow up the Matrix. Yeah. 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 And coming back to that for just a second. Yeah, yeah. This is very similar to what she did three episodes ago in Can You Hear Me? When she's got the finger in her ear. Yeah. And she just wakes up out of the dream. Nobody else can, but because she's the Doctor, she can. The entire... I don't know if this is the start of the third act or if we're already kind of a significant part of the way into the third act. But the third act in general is really lazy in this episode. Mm-hmm. It's full of Deus Ex Machina or Dei Ex Machina. It's, inc- it, it's oh, just yeah. full of sudden revelations that we had no idea we needed. But now that we have them, we ha- have lost all the problems we had before. From bits like, hey, let's just put some bombs here. Don't worry about it. We'll meet downstairs. Click, cut to, we're all downstairs and everything's peachy. Yeah, We're all downstairs, but not a single Cyberman is. No, <laughs> exactly. Or I'm trapped in the Matrix. No, I'm not. I can mind my way out of the Matrix. Yeah. yeah. Or I'm about to commit suicide as the Doctor. No, Game of Thrones is here. He's going to casually saunter into the room. No one's going to shoot him. <laughs> Dude, <you're laughs> he's going to commit suicide. <laughs> you're piling so many things in that we need to delve a little deeper in because yeah. they are terrible. They are terrible, but I think they're all terrible in the same way right. that when we get to act three chibbers just goes ah fuck oh, oh, I've, I've got the runs <laughs> all right <laughs> i've got maybe 15 seconds of speed typing in me then i'm then i'm running around the corner and i am shitting like a goose <laughs> and off he types you know 
and it's all just solved, done. Yeah. No more chibbers. Where is he? He's around the corner. My take on it is that he thinks if he peppers the script with enough coincidences, the coincidences start assume an artistic form like pointillism yeah or like no it's got to be pointillism or pointillism so if you zoom out of this episode yeah. <laughs> far enough if you see waterlies exactly <laughs> it's like oh that formed such a beautiful pattern in the end that brought us to such a nice overall view absolutely <laughs> but uh, yeah the, the doc is different because she is biologically, ontologically, it's so lazy. It is, yeah. But There's no lazier possible outcome. And the fact that they have the Doctor Who theme tune accompanying her super headache okay. is another... Can we ping-pong laziness yeah. at each other? Okay, I'm going to ping the following lazy element at you. Ping me! Oh, there's a legend that <laughs> the lone Cyberman has a, what's it called, the death particle yeah. inside his chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A myth, a legend. Everybody's heard it. How the flip did that myth evolve? Who said what? No. Last time that we had one of these reviews, one of us said, like, oh, maybe it's the master who's really sneakily introducing all these legends. Yeah, I was kind of hoping it was. Absolutely not the case. Absolutely not the case. Oh, the legend has it that he has a death particle in it. No, that's just a lazy way to circumvent finding out about said death particle and, you know, jumping from A to C. Even worse than that. All right, hit me with another lazy bit. This is the same lazy bit. Yeah, yeah, okay. The death particle, it has been heavily implied, if not outright stated, without any evidence to the contrary. Once Ashad activates his death particle, the universe is toast. Yeah. But then when they need to kill exactly a planet's worth of baddies, and don't forget that planets can range enormously in size and form yeah <laughs> suddenly the myth is yep. that the death particle kills exactly one planet's worth of baddies and so it retcons something introduced and set out from maybe about half an hour earlier <laughs> and the myth and legend a is exactly right and b reveals the previous information to have been a lie so that c we can have a lazy third act right so actually the death particle ends up also just being a bomb yeah. But it's not a thing that then destroys all life in the universe, which is what Ashad was saying in the last episode. I have yeah. within me the way to destroy all life in the world or in the universe. Well, which one he says is, is important. I think he says the universe. I'm pretty sure he says I have the way. I think we get a flashback of it in this episode. The death of everything is within me. Right. The death of everything. Everything. In brackets, in this room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the vicinity of the script. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, I would say that's pretty, that, that's, an, that's another letdown. Yeah. Uh, I don't know whose turn it is to ping or pong laziness, but I've got way more, bro. Go on then. All right. Small or large? Small. All right. Telepathy. So the doctor doesn't know where the master is, doesn't know how to communicate to the master. We are lacking a scene in which some information is conveyed from Doc and Fam to master. Okay. No probs, we've got telepathy. Yeah. Boom. Hi, I'm Doc. Hi, I'm master. New mind, who dis? Dot, 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 telepathy. We've lazily gone from A to C. Yeah, and I'm going to pong that same ping again. Okay. Doctor needs to get the death particle. Yeah. So the master leaves a inch and a half high figurine standing yeah. on that impossibly huge troop carrier. 
And yes. okay, okay, the master does give Doc a fake pin, a fake GPS signal, and she goes there expecting to see him. But she doesn't accidentally tread on the tiny stick figure death particle man. She doesn't kick him to the side. She sees him from down the other end of the flipping corridor is like, oh, I need to pick that up. Oh, yeah. I know exactly what this is. Yep. Yeah. And now I have the device which may be able to get us all out of this script somehow. That is laziness of the geographical nature in the sense that there is a gigantic troop carrier here in which there is a G.I. Joe figurine. Where is it? Oh, there it is. It's where I am, it says Doc. The same kind of geographical laziness can be applied to how they put bombs around the place, which, by the way, are never established. Where did they get the bombs from? And Kishama's had them down his pants. Great. And then (laughs) they escape. So they change geographical location. But how did they do that? Like They just go, oh, this whole ship is about to explode. And we see it from afar. It's like hovering above the city or it's at the rooftops of the old citadel. Yeah. Which it dwarfs, by the way. Yeah. How? What? Oh, meet you downstairs. What do you mean, meet you downstairs? Like, you could be... There's a fucking city downstairs to begin with. Like, you could be anywhere. I'll meet you outside the 7-Eleven. I'll meet you at the corner of Flon Avenue and... And the Panopticon. uh, Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But they don't say that. They just go like, hey, uh, everyone run downstairs. And there they are. Yeah, all together. Exactly. That's geographical laziness. Yep. Not to mention, oh, I'll just sonic this random wall. Guess what? There's a TARDIS behind here. And guess what? I'm going to do it again later. Okay, I'll need another TARDIS. (laughs) Do you want to hear what my big laziness was? Yeah, go on. Let's hear the big one. Game of Thrones is about to die. I was a part of the resistance, and as part of the resistance, we made the whole last episode happen. Bye, see ya! (laughs) What? There's a whole resistance subplot that we never explore in which they somehow sent the uh, Siberian back in time? Yeah. What? The whole point about the Siberian seems to be that it's incredibly hard to get hold of. It's floating, I don't know, flying liquid metal or whatever. Yeah. So it has to be in a host to be in any way controllable unless you perhaps isolate it in some kind of force field and then send everything within that back through time, which I guess is kind of possible. But also, why would you do that? Well, yes. Why not send it as far as you can into the future where it can't fuck with everything that's gone before, including your own timelines and has less time to subjugate the universe? That is such a good idea. Oh, well done. (laughs) Uh, Bravo. Bravo. That is a fantastic retro rewrite. There's that, and also the fact that Koshamus is not a Gallifreyan, right? So does he also have time travel technology? Well, Captain Jack has his time wristband or whatever it is. Time scoops are a thing. Yeah. Nasty cheap. The time racist had one. That's true. There is a certain amount of non-Time Lord time travel in this universe. Okay. But it is hella lazy nonetheless. It very, very much is. And you mentioning that and the fact that the master wasn't in charge nor was Ashad, really, or the Siberian. You, in our last episode, were like, I could swear that Ozymandias was quoted. Yes. (laughs) That blew my mind, by the way, that it happened in this one. Yeah. (laughs) But it doesn't make a shit of sense because it's the master saying it. I know. Who has had nothing to do with what's been going on two episodes ago. 
It's not Ashad. The master doesn't know they've been messing around with Shelley. Yeah, this is this is one of my introductory questions. <laughs> Does the master know about Percy? <laughs> no, no, he doesn't. It makes no sense, Chibbers. Are you listening to this? It makes no sense. It's taken what should be a through line and turned it into a lazy coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> like it's now starting oh. to corrode better kinds of writing. It's all just melting together like soggy cereal. Oh. I bet you that Chibbers put this line in yeah. and thought, this is so fucking clever. <laughs> like, this is so good. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. my God. People are going to Google this line and they're going to find out that it was PBS. Mm. Oh my God. Like that, How cool is that? People are going to know that I thought of it all along. Like the plan was there from the very beginning. No, it wasn't, Chibbers. No, oh. you, you don't get the plaudits. Sorry. Can we follow that with my favorite part? Please. Didn't think I'd be doing that segment this episode, eh, <laughs> Podcast Land? Well, I did like one thing. And that is when Ashad talks about his plan and the master just shoots it down so casually like, there's loads of robots. Throw a stick in this universe, you'll hit a robot. I used to do that. Any idiot can make themselves into a robot. It's not special. I love that entire bit. That is very nice, yeah. And I thought that Sasha Dewan delivered it great. He was great in this episode, I think. In general, I really enjoyed him. I, you didn't. What, what about him did you not enjoy? Well, I'll say what I did. There was when he's infected with the Siberium and he starts dancing, which again seems like a call forward to the power of the Doctor. But this is so much better than the... <laughs> the uh, For Rasputin. Exactly, in power of, of the Doctor. Yeah, you see him throwing shapes from behind and there isn't a musical underlay which is nice and his laugh and then the way his laugh lingers as you segue into the next scene wherever that is might, might be the doctor in the matrix or something and you just hear the faintest echo of him going <laughs> very enjoyable it's good stuff man but i thought it may not entirely be sasha dewan's fault he's been told swing for the hills or whatever like <laughs> like forget the bleachers and the town behind yeah, yeah forget about like aim for the stars swing for that hill over there <laughs> <laughs> i meant like in baseball like hit the ball very fast actually. i like it i really like it yeah okay <laughs> he, he's been told to knock it out of the park whatever like yeah, yeah, um, yeah. swing for the fences that's the phrase oh that's it. anyway yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. and so he's not holding anything back and that's kind of fine but he is given too much time to do it and i know they want him to be as formidable and sinister as possible but don't they give him too much time relative to jody this is a very good question why don't i do a command f of master and doctor okay hang on because i did actually looked up a couple of these things so doctor has 72 lines in this episode that seems too few. It's a 65-minute episode. Master has 70. Okay. They are pretty even. And I guess they probably do have a couple of monologues each. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, here's another bit of Sasha Dewan that I really enjoyed in this. Okay. Like, thoroughly enjoyed. It's a small piece, and it's probably just <laughs> Chibbers quoting his manager at the Beeb. But when Sasha Dewan's master goes, what if we workshop this? Kick it around a bit. I have notes. <laughs> My mind went to the exact same place. Nice. Like he's he's heard this a fair few times. So many times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it may even be a dig, but he doesn't realize <laughs> it's still a dig at himself. But it's so nicely delivered. I really like it. Mm. I, if you consider the amount of duress that any normal person would be under mm. in the presence of Ashad, the fact that the master is like 
hang on now, why don't we, why don't we brainstorm a little bit? Why don't we throw what you're telling me, what you're ordering me to do at a writer's room and see what they get back with, <laughs> get back to us with. That's, that's really pretty cool. Yeah, and the I master's felt- already owned a shad by telling him exactly what to do. Like, you come yeah. through the portal, you leave exactly this many Cybermen behind. And you can see how annoyed a shad is when he's like, yeah. leave three cyber troops exactly units or whatever yeah yeah there's a scene later on ashad's death scene well when he's when he's minified because he comes back how wait he comes back he comes back in the power of the doctor everybody comes back all the time how have i forgotten this wow yeah okay well when he's how is it possible when he's been attached to this bomb grenade that (laughs) kashamas has activated (laughs) i couldn't i couldn't wait for the pin i'm just so annoyed (laughs) Well, the master's coming back as well, right? And the master is in the room with the death particle, so... Yes, but, okay, we got slightly derailed, but there is a line in the script. Uh Uh-huh. The master... The transcript says, just before the capital explodes, there's a line, Master, all of you through here now. Now, I didn't hear that amidst the mounting chaos, but it would seem to indicate that the master and perhaps all of the cyber masters got away and then what did they do go on to dominate the universe exactly as he'd said he would oh very interesting yeah is is that just a line that was finagled in there so that we can get the cyber masters back at some point maybe i guess but if they survive at all he has just said this is the biggest threat the doctor who universe has faced since 1963 or indeed earlier apparently so okay well, they have to be defeated or we're all fucked I have questions about the Cyber Masters. Hang on. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. <laughs> Don't try to make it work because it can't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the, the problem is I have too many questions about the Cyber Masters and I'm not, I'm not sure where <laughs> to start. They're all tripping over each other. Your tongue's tied in knots. Okay. Uh, how about this for starters? Do they have infinite regenerations or do they also just have 12? Because they are Cyber's time lord corpses and the time lords only have 12 regenerations so wouldn't the cyber masters also only have 12 regenerations or however many regenerations remained in those respective bodies what you say makes more sense i think than what seems to happen the master is so cavalier with the number of regenerations left by saying as an example shoot that guy they do gets back up again that it all seems to imply that there are infinite regenerations. Okay. Can I ask a follow-up question? Yes. So in order to have a dead Time Lord, they mm. must be killed before they can regenerate. Think Impossible Astronaut. Yes. So if the Master killed the Time Lords before they regenerated, why would they regenerate as Cybermen? Well, they've been cybered, and he's also done some gene splicing. Oh, he has. Okay, yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'll I'll take that. But that that implies that he can gene splice regenerations into anybody, anything, any species he wants. Yeah. So he just has that power now. He could create an infinitely regenerating army out of literally anything. See, that seems very uncharacteristic of the master to me. Maybe not necessarily of the Sasha Dewan master, but of the master in general. What, to me, what the master would do in this case is splice infinite regenerations into himself. Yes. And then destroy that technology. 
Mm. That's what they would do. Yeah. They wouldn't go for let's destroy all life in the universe. No. The only part of the universe that the master has ever specifically wanted to destroy was Earth. And that was really only to rub it in the doctor's <laughs> face. Yeah. There's never been this thing of, I hate life in general, so I will destroy all of it. And then, weirdly, I will survive it. That's that's never been a thing, as far as I'm aware. Mm. Sorry, podcast land. Yeah, I might that's, be wrong. that's more a Davros thing. Or yeah, exactly. a Shad thing yes, from exa- an hour ago. No, that's such a good reference. Yes, this is very. This is the master doing Davros, weirdly. Mm. He's created this new cybernetic race, very much like Davros creates the Daleks, in order to destroy all organic life in the universe, just like Davros. Yeah. Oh. The death of reality itself! Or whatever he, <laughs> yes, whatever exactly. he screams in Journey's End. <laughs> the reality bomb! Sounds a bit like a death particle, but okay. It, it does sound a little bit like yeah, that, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Right, I've got more questions. Have you got more questions? Do you want to ping one? Pong one? I have a theory. I love a theory. Let's hear it. There's a scene where Doc is talking about how she'll sacrifice herself for the universe. She'd do it in a heartbeat, she says. For you, we see Ryan, we see Graham. She says, my fam, and then we see Yaz. Except she kind of says it like, my fam, my fam. Oh, my fam. Oh, wow. A little bit of full say under the hood lesbianism there. (laughs) My fam, and then Yaz appears immediately. I was like, holy crap. Wow. Can't have been... I really hope that you're right. Of all the coincidences, that can't have been a coincidence, Plus (laughs) 0.1 right then and there. That's really nice. (laughs) (laughs) And from there, do we want to talk about Yaz and her ongoing rewritten status? Yeah, why why, why don't we? So Yaz shows a lot of concern for the doc here. Yeah. Certainly. She is the first one to step through the boundary, for example. She strides right into it, pointedly far ahead of everyone else who hasn't haven't moved a muscle. The second they're through into Gallifrey, she is the first one to speak and the first one to say, this is where Doc's from. Yeah, and she's heartbroken for the Doctor at seeing it in ruins. Yeah, absolutely. Do you feel that that is reciprocated from the Doc? Not specifically towards Yaz one bit, no. No. The farewell particularly stood out to me. When Doc is like, hey, I'm going to suicide bomb it. Yeah. All talk, by the way. Maybe we'll get to that. (laughs) (laughs) Pin. (laughs) Yeah. She has an opportunity there to even just say, Yaz, you're great. Yeah. She doesn't have to go all the way. If she doesn't feel comfortable at this point saying, I love you, or you're fantastic, or I've fancied you since the first episode, since the woman who fell to earth, she doesn't have to. But she could do something, and she treats her like Orion. Oh, oh dude. She does, though. She treats Yaz exactly like she does Ryan and Graham and the extended fam of this <laughs> double feature or triple feature. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and Yaz is hanging on there at the front, waiting for an extra shot, waiting for some extra acknowledgement. Yeah. It just doesn't come. Ryan has to call her away because she'll be waiting a long time. Yeah. At this point, I would say I'm sure Chibbers and the Beeb have already decided exactly what to do with this particular character dynamic. They know exactly where they're heading. But this episode, this is, I think, another piece of lazy writing. I don't think that this is missing from the scene because Chibbers can't write it. I think it's missing from the scene because someone went, 
no, no, but don't worry about it. We know that this isn't an actual suicide mission, and we know that Doc is going to survive, so we can just, let's just push this back a little bit. We'll do this in a week's time. Maybe. I think so. Yeah. I don't think we're going to see anything from the Doc towards Yaz until John Bishop tries to NLP her into doing it in Eve of the Daleks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can you imagine a world where John Bishop is the one who allows you to live your best self? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently Chibbers could. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I guess he does have an active imagination. There's a bit where Graham and Yaz interact as well. Because Graham and yes. Yaz are on their own little side escapade. And Graham has his whole spiel about, like, oh, wow, yeah, really like you. Yeah. Oh, yes, you're the best person I've ever met. Never mind Grace. Grace was just a placeholder. Yeah, yeah. Boy, if I were 30 years younger, I'd be obsessed with you. <laughs> oh, I think you're such an impressive young woman. You always double check what's right in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't got a Sonic, but you've never been afraid of pointing out the obvious. <laughs> I'm going to sound like a proper old man, but you can be really proud of the way you always manage to state the obvious by way of a superfluous question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be amazing if if Yaz at that point had responded with a very heartfelt, what, are you paying me a compliment? Me, Yasmin Khan, what's standing right here in front of you? Yeah. <laughs> so we have that bit as well. Yeah. Like, Yasmin is singled out as the one companion of expressible value, in a sense. And I get it, because she's on a trajectory, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty harsh on Ryan. I was going to say. <laughs> By implication. You're so much better than Ryan. Yeah. God, I wish we could leave him at home. Who's Ryan? As far as I'm aware, he's got a bit of a Hollywood deal at the moment. Means I've disowned him. <laughs> I can't really do a Graham accent. I'm so sorry. Was that Graham? Oh, no, that was just Yaz. I veered into, Gra into Yaz territory, <laughs> and then I was like, oh, fuck, I've got a course correct, and I failed miserably. I apologize. <laughs> I cut <sighs> you off before. You were going to say something else. I was going to talk about Ryan. Ooh, let's talk about Ryan. My question is, if you have Ryan yeah. and... Bless him, he's got dyspraxia, he can't help it. And you've also got a younger, better Ryan. I'm chuckling because I know exactly which scene yeah. you're about to talk about. Who yep. has no coordination issues whatsoever. Yeah. Why don't you give the basketball-shaped grenade to the latter? <laughs> For him to deal with the Cybermen. He grew up in the middle of a cyber war, but you choose to give the poor lad with coordination issues. Yeah. Uh, yeah, hang on, I'm going to check that box as well. Check. <laughs> the <laughs> Ryan's dyspraxia is no more. Let's just accept the well, fact that it was written out of the show. No, it kind of is there, though. It's what makes his elation so acute. No, like, it, wait, dude, I don't have dyspraxia. I'm just shit at sports. If I were to... Dude, I've seen you play table tennis. You are fearsome with a paddle in your hand. That's mostly because I don't really count that as a sport. But if you <laughs> tell were, that to the Chinese, <laughs> if I were to do a three-pointer, ten-pointer, whatever pointer it is, with a I'll accept any pointer basketball bomb yeah. at some cybers, I would be massively elated as well. Oh yeah, but with Ryan, we know that every series, once or twice, this characteristic gets trotted out, and it's like against all the odds. That's the thing. He against yet higher odds than even you with your limited basketball acquaintance. He's managed to nail the shot. And I actually really enjoyed his triumphant yeah yeah because he wasn't mocking his depressed friend yeah and was like, yeah you mess with the, yeah, come at me i'll save humanity yeah fucking right number one 
<laughs> to be honest, that's the first time maybe I've smiled at this character in some time. I think that's why I latched onto it because I was like, I'm enjoying seeing him on screen. Wait, this is really unfamiliar to me. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? I'm feeling sympathy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the exact same shtick he's been pulling in every episode, by the way. But for some reason, it works. It worked for me as well. Mm. Yeah. I would say that even though the Graham Yaz scene is corny and it's a real stretch, that kind of worked for me as well like bradley walsh of course he did he sold it mm. he is a kindly old dude and he might say this unprompted because he's just a lovely person yeah exactly and yaz being like yorkshire love letter like i thought <laughs> oh well it's a bit cheap but mandip gill she's got teary eyes or something like they're glistening yeah there was a lot of that in this episode by the way a lot of extreme close-ups oh i didn't notice interesting yeah there's a lot when the master has his face basically pressed against the doctor not sacrificing herself at the end her hand around the grenade slash thing there's that there's all the stuff when ashad comes sniffing around the cybermen who have been evacuated and you see inside everybody like there's a tear running down someone's cheek bradley walsh's lips are dry and he's he's trying to wet them without making a sound (laughs) It's all very tense, and all I'm thinking at the time is, surely Ashad would either try to activate these Cybermen, and that removes any question, or B, when he's sniffing, when he's literally sniffing at the Cybermen, he'd be like, wait, I can smell piles of meat that have been scooped out and dropped nearby. (laughs) Yeah, what happens to all that meat, by the way? It just disappears. There's a handy coincidence shoot that evacuates it and ejects it into space. This is not the only question I've written down about that particular scene. (laughs) How heavy do you reckon a cyber body is? Because it's not designed for a living body to move it around. No, it's designed for heavy-duty hydraulics to to lift the weight for you. So why is it just like a bit of styrofoam on a human, buds? (laughs) Yeah, no wonder they're so easy to kill with a laser blaster. Yeah. You're wearing the thing that when you buy a printer, the printer comes wrapped in. (laughs) (laughs) And Yaz just lifts it off her head. Yeah, no, that thing weighs 40 kilograms. Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, okay. Still, at least Mandip Gill got to do some heavy lifting. Also, sorry, why would the Cybermen be full of human remains? Like, at some point, the human remains are going to decompose, right? Yeah. Because that's just how biomatter works. So the biomatter will decompose. Does that mean that Cybermen who have been around long enough, they're hollow? (laughs) Perhaps the inside of a Cyberman is hermetically sealed and it's a sterile environment? Does that mean they scooped out a a perfectly intact human being? I suppose that is what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I've got questions in completely different directions. Please. Are you sure? Yep. Okay, here we go. What happened to all the humans who fled to Gallifrey? I don't think they did flee to Gallifrey. I think that the Master has managed to fix the gateway on Gallifrey. How? Never mind. But before that, the previous humans who got to Kashamas and went through the portal, they went somewhere. I don't know, maybe a, a lot of different places. Because after about five minutes... The one female of reproductive age is killed. Yeah. All the other humans go back to the 21st century. 
Yeah. So humanity has sense? to survive somehow. And well, wouldn't it make more sense to have humans from the 21st century transplanted into the future instead? That could be a way of <laughs> getting around that. But I think that the previous travellers through the portal just went somewhere else, and that is how we end up with the Toclophane eventually. Because Jody oh, said these are the only humans on this side of the universe. So there are humans on the other side of the universe. Right. Okay. So either different portal or same portal as with the Toclophane. But certainly not this portal. As in, it's certainly not that humans went to Koshamas, walked into the lake and went, yeah. hey, we're on Gallifrey. They ended up somewhere else where yeah, yeah, they yeah. were decapitated and turned into Toclophane, or possibly they went somewhere else. <laughs> well, there's a lot of time between that and the Toclophane happening. The Toclophane's way in the future. Well, way that, in the future. That leads me to a different question, actually. Sorry to do two questions in a row, but when is Gallifrey here? When? Because um. when was it destroyed? Or are we looking at a Hooniverse now where Chibbers has sort of J.J. Abrams this world out of existence? Is this in the present is this is this portal leading them through time as well because i'm sure uh, that we've seen gallifrey persist yeah gallifrey went the long way around gallifrey was in a bubble universe they went to yes. enormous lengths yeah to <laughs> preserve gallifrey is gallifrey just no more at this point yes good use of no more <laughs> <laughs> i think so it doesn't look good right i'm not okay with that no, no, that is perhaps, you can change the past, but you can't deny Gallifrey a future. It was annoying enough when it was all gone for most of the new Who run to date. I don't remember what happens to Gallifrey in the far-flung future, but we've seen humanity pass this point because we've seen the Earth pass this point. The Earth is detonated in end of the universe, end of the worlds. Well, we don't know whether the cyber wars against humanity are in Earth times, new Earth times, okay, that new is a, Earth. That, sorry, you're right. That is a fair Goodness point. Goodness knows when it but is. But we have seen humanity persist. Because yes. at a certain point, Doc says, I'm sure Doc says, you know, global warming and all the shit that's happening here, mankind reached out into the universe and we just spread out. It definitely did. Yeah. Yes. So we, we're all over the place already. It doesn't matter what happens on Earth or wherever else. We are, we're everywhere. But yeah, I don't know what I'm saying, but I feel like it doesn't make sense. <laughs> I feel like the humans surviving is, is fine and we just have to write most of the future off as an infinite grey area. But what mm. doesn't seem a grey area is Gallifrey and all the Time Lords on it have been entirely detonated and destroyed but I'm and eradicated. Sure, but I'm sure that we've seen Gallifrey pass this point. I don't, I don't know if it's classic or new who, but I'm sure that we have seen Gallifrey pass right. this point. Well, when is this point? And they will bring Gallifrey back if they want to. Of course they can, because they can bring anything back if they want to, because this is Doctor Who and that's part of the rules of the show. Yeah. I.e. it has none. Well, that's the thing about the Masters. The Master is now standing... Well, yeah, he's quote-unquote, uh, hey, everyone with me outed out of the room. Yeah. But he was right next to an exploding death particle, but somehow, yeah. Mm. That feels lazy to me. That feels really, really lazy oh, to me. Oh, absolutely. Definitely yeah. is. I got more questions, but do you want to ask a question? Two gateways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How can they have something introduced last week and... Retained for this week and this inc 
incredibly similar thing that they've been breadcrumbing for a while. Yeah. And the Doctor, having seen in the Matrix, like, for more than a second in some dimly remembered half-memory, like, she's right underneath it. She sees it. She sees it like it's exactly what they've come through, and she doesn't stop to think, oh, maybe we need to wrestle with this other gateway and see if I can play around with the settings like the master did, like the master can control where it goes, like it can be read and manipulated somehow and she doesn't think, oh, maybe this holds the mystery to this past I didn't even know I had. Does that mean, are you implying that the master took the technology of the gateway through which the timeless child fell and applied it to Koshamas vis-a-vis Gallifrey? That would make perilously close to sense. It would, you're right, but I don't feel like that's hinted at in this episode. No, they want to keep those gateways separate. Yeah, those are two entirely coincidentally identical (laughs) gateways in one and the same episode. Yeah. That's so fucking lazy. Oh, where did they come through? (laughs) Gateway. Right, 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 fast forward, lots of jam. That's far too many rights. (laughs) There's like a third of that at most. Sorry, let me correct. Right. What do I do now? Oh, fuck, I don't know what to do. How do I get to the next right? Gateway. (laughs) Copy, paste. (laughs) (laughs) Can we afford two gateways? No? I'm sure nobody will think to question it. (laughs) I'm going to have to change my rating, I think. (laughs) You've not talked me up. Let me clarify. (laughs) Right, I've just lowered my rating. Of course, the doctor doesn't get to start doing any investigating because that line that I picked out from Fugitive of the Jadoon, when the Jadoon says right at the beginning, all Jadoon contracts must be honoured and will come back at a later date. Yeah, This is when it comes back. I get it, and I figured it out back then as well. So she's in Stormcage, so she can't go and look. But I don't feel like that's what she's going to do. She's just having a moment in the TARDIS being like, oh, if only something would spring to mind. (laughs) I suppose I'm a bit sad. What else you got? Okay, I'm going to put one question in this hand and one question in this hand. Okay. You pick one. Right. Right. When do you reckon was the last time any of them brushed their teeth? Ooh. It occurred to me whilst watching this episode, all of these people have fucking dog's breath. (laughs) And I mean that in a bad way, and I love dogs. Uh (laughs) Maybe that's what Ashad is sniffing down in the troop carriers. Like, yeah, rotting meat, that smells about right. No questions here. Yeah. Well, this is a like another. When did they last go to the toilet? Where does Kashamas go to the toilet? Oh, he just does he just drop it over the cliff. No, he poos his pants. Oh, of course, <laughs> that's, where, dude, that's where he keeps his age. That's dude. where he keeps his bombs. <laughs> <laughs> you don't shit where you bomb, <laughs> as the saying goes. <laughs> Okay, what was in the left hand? In the left hand was the death particle. So okay. death particle originally was not meant to be just a bomb, right? It, it was a thing that... It's called the fucking death particle. Yeah. It's not called the erase this room particle. It's the death particle. Yeah. It's so, not the extremely small yet effective bomb. Yeah. So the Siberium created the death particle, placed it inside a shad. Yeah. 
Couldn't he just have activated it? Well, then he would have died. I think he wants to be upgraded to a robot before that happens. But he wants to fully ascend. Oh, that's the only thing keeping it from... But but see, that negate... Oh, it's that bloody scene where, for whatever reason, it ends in that room. Which room? The room on Gallifrey. The... Oh, the room where everything happens. The, the, one, the one Gallifreyan set that they built. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That negates everything, because when the death particle is detonated there, it kills no one but who is in that room. Which, this is kind of, maybe leads on from when is Gallifrey, because if Gallifrey, as we see it, is at the very end of the universe and there's no one else in the universe, doesn't matter if you detonate a death particle, there's no one left to kill. But if the death particle is just designed to destroy whomever's within 10 square meters... Or ten, a 10 meter radius or whatever it is. Yeah, then it's just a grenade attached to a grenade. Exactly. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter. The thing that I'm hearkening back to is in the Dalek Master Plan. Okay. In Dalek Master Plan, the Daleks have devised, I want to say it's called a time detonator. Ooh, that sounds good. Something like that. And the idea is it's just this wave that ripples across everything that exists and has ever existed and destroys it. That's exactly how I was picturing the death particle would work. Same. Right. So if you have a death particle, you're the Siberium, you've created a death particle, which is the thing that the Daleks had in Dalek Master Plan, or the Daleks Master Plan. Yeah. Say no more. Yeah. Detonate. It's the flux, but for organics rather than all matter. Yeah. You don't even need to wait for this bozo Ashad to ascend because you are the Siberium. You are not organic. This thing will destroy everything but you. When everything's dead, except for the other AIs in the universe, all you have to do is pick up a bit of metal here, a bit of metal there, and you build yourself a robot that builds itself a better robot that builds itself a better robot. That's your new universe. Yeah. And also, if the Siberium is so vastly intelligent, I get that you could perhaps ascribe a weakness to it of, oh, of course, it does want to build stuff in its own image. But give it some credit. Yeah. Like, it's encountered other robots. It's encountered the Dalek. Well, I yeah. suppose they're not. I suppose they're similar, aren't they? They're, they're also. Fully robots. Yeah, they're also organic creatures Sorry. inside robot tank thingies. But this, by the way, answers the question that we asked last time. What is Ashad doing when he's, quote-unquote, torturing that cyber warrior? He's scooping out the human matter and making it fully robot. Hmm, I suppose. Yeah. And so that can be done. And so why isn't the Siberium just cracking on with that? Never mind Ashad. It doesn't need Ashad. Yeah. Seems pretty easy, quite frankly. Yeah. It's just so the Master can chip in at the last minute with his notes. Yeah. Mm. All right. I think it's your turn, dude. Tech Tayun. Drink is a fucking monster. Mm. That is dark as shit. There's a scene of like straight up phrenology. She has yeah. a the first time that she analyzes her adoptive child. She measures his or her I can't remember cranium. Mm. Well, all the scientific theories at her disposal haven't worked to explain this, so she's dabbling with pseudoscience and trying anything. That is not the most horrific thing about that scene. It's not even in the top five. No, it's not the worst thing. Who lets their kids play next to a cliff's edge? Yeah. But no, it's the number of kids in that dentist's chair who get bumped off because she still hasn't 
And also she's aging, but she's not aging that much. So the other Shabogans are seeing Tectoyan walk out of her lab with a new kid once every two or three years and they're not questioning it or stopping her because she invented interplanetary travel yeah that that seems a bit weird yeah uh, wait she invented interplanetary travel she was the first intergalactic shabogan is what the master's right okay story yeah. says i believe okay yeah such a weird civilization where it's not, you know... <laughs> Tectian was the first of Gallifrey's indigenous race, the Shabogans, to develop space travel. Can you imagine how it would be in our world if it's not like, you know, NASA or BSA, they're not the ones, or SpaceX, they're not the ones conducting space travel. Yeah. Imagine it's if it were James Cromwell. That yeah. would be weird. <laughs> nice first contact ref. I was going to say, what if it's Bill? Yeah. What if it's Lisa? <laughs> yeah. What? Wait, <laughs> it could be Bill Gates. Like, we don't know what he's got going That's on. That's not the Bill I was talking about. Oh, sorry. What if it's Bill Simpson down the road? You know, the guy who lives above the pub? <laughs> Thanks for listening, Bill. <laughs> like, wouldn't that be weird? <laughs> what, what, why is Tectayun the one who does this? Like, what, where the fuck did she get all the materials from? Yeah, where did where, she get things? Where the hell are the other Shabogans? Was no other Shabogan involved in this project? <laughs> this is a one Shabogan space project. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's super duper weird. You're right. Yeah. So the thing that I remembered last week was that she, I genuinely had the image in my mind of her just chucking kids off a cliff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not quite, but I guess we don't see it, but she probably does. Well, she must kill them. Oh, maybe. How else is she squeamish to just give them the lethal injection? Then she probably has one of those things that you, the thing that shoots bovine into the forehead you know the isn't that what she does with her own neck to regenerate in the final instance oh yeah 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 she injects herself yeah yeah it's good stuff I think even kids I think even young children would be like what's happening to those kids oh wait I know like if They're acquainted with death. They were like, oh, yeah, this isn't a bunch of different people. This is this is Tectian going on a long massacre. Yeah. And, yeah. And this is another thing that makes me think Chibber's sort of idolized this Seventh Doctor period because that is full of sort of childish whimsy and yet super dark stuff. Like, I think Chibbers is aiming for a similar tone. That's what he thinks Doctor Who should be. Stephen Moffat, the fifth Doctor, was his Doctor. I get the feeling that for Chibbers, it was it was McCoy. Do you think so? I think so. And this is what he hath wrought. Is very interesting. Is there something in particular that makes you... Is there something in particular about the seventh Doctor? It's the greater sense of background darkness and the potential for just real nasty stuff to be underlying everything like and real ruthlessness like and and the weird polarization and holding these two things together in the same show that uneasily coexist i think we will see that his tone is all over the place i think you're probably very right about that yeah i've just looked up shabogan on whoback1.com okay we've encountered shabogans once before yep in the invasion of time and this is how i described it based on how they appeared in the invasion of time outside of the citadel these gallifreyan outcasts rocked bandanas and funky fur capes and may or may not have been cannibals Mm, but they are the original gallifreyans shabogans are the population of this planet they are ungene spliced time lords that's the only difference that's yeah you're right that's exactly what they are yeah Mm. how do you feel about genetics being at the heart of this 
venerable Doctor Who mystery. I don't mind. Oh, you don't mind? Yeah. The Master's done this before. Oh. So the Master has had more than his allotted share of regenerations. Yeah. He's nicked them. Okay. So it's the exact same thing. He has, he has used various kinds of whatever, not gene splicing, whatever it is, Time Lord technology to just steal regenerations. Well, that's the thing. Technology has a lot of potential for different explanations. I would have preferred something other than gene splicing, like some kind of Time Lord extra chromosomal DNA, some... That's super mit- We're some, talking about genes. Yeah, no, some super mitochondrion is behind this that's come through the portal with this little child. Like, I wanted it to be something more advanced, more sci-fi. It doesn't have to be mystical or anything, but something that isn't exactly what we have on Earth in 2020. Yeah. I think I, I'm not 100% sure about this, and Podcast Land might con- contradict me, but I think, at least from my point of view, the impression that I had was that at some point, Time Lords developed regeneration. Okay. And it came after time travel. That was in my mind anyway. And that potentially, I never really thought about this, but potentially regeneration was just a consequence of that. Yes. So you develop time travel, you travel through time, you become a Time Lord. All of a sudden you die and you're reborn. And you're like, what the fuck is happening? I guess this is an unforeseen consequence of that thing that i've been doing all along yeah. uh, and and that's where they got it from and i guess if it were artron energy it would be just a physical effect rather than a biological yeah expression but i don't know it just seems too basic because now the master like i say has the technology and can ruin everything that's a that's a good point. Gene splicing seems pretty easily accessible to people of this technological advancement. Yeah. <laughs> if we go back to classic Who, the master was like, here's what I'm going to do in order to get myself a fresh regeneration. I'm going to travel to the center of Gallifrey. <laughs> I'm going to go to the tomb of Rassilon, yeah. where I will, will use all these Indiana Jones-esque paraphernalia in order to invoke a ritual that sends all the time vortex energy that is powering Gallifrey straight into me and that will give me one more regeneration (laughs) (laughs) yeah actually you know what fuck you classic master it turns out it was way easier than that all you needed was to inject yourself in the neck yeah you just needed some sugar and a pipette yeah (laughs) (sighs) I bet you liked the CGI fast-forward of the Citadel being built up from nothing. Stunning. Yeah! Stunning. Where's my jam? (laughs) That was absolutely beautiful, yeah. Mm. The production value was off the chart. Oh, of course. Yeah. But it's the norm at this point. Well, it kind of is, but that was still very standout and striking. Absolutely. Someone made that model in layers. Yeah. And there's there's no part of this episode that looks in anyway cheap or shortcutted or half-assed yeah it's all stunning yeah Mm. i've just looked at my notes i'm so sorry i've just found something that references something that you mentioned before hit me the master refers to the boundary as a fluke that is not something that he has created that is a fluke of nature oh what of all the places in the universe and you had to drop into mine but he seems to have fixed it somehow. Maybe it was a fluke that it... Has he fixed it, though? Or well, is he just waiting the... on Gallifrey for someone to walk into the lake 
and then he goes, oh, I'll jump through. Well, you know what? It, it doesn't work either way because if it is random and if it will go somewhere else eventually, then where are the humans ending up? Like, that's that's already randomised. If they don't all go through at the same time, are they screwed? Do they just end up galaxies and galaxies apart? I don't think it's random. I yeah. think this is a portal that connects exactly Gallifrey at this point in time, or n- not, sorry, not this point in time, but this timeline, and whatever Koshalmas's planet is, yeah. it just connects those two in space, not in time. It just connects those in space. That's all it does. And all the humans who went through that portal went to Gallifrey, at which point, at the end of which, Shibas went, what humans? I've forgotten about them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also, what Shibogans? Because yeah, the Marshes sh- destroyed the Citadel, but has he destroyed all the Shibogans on exactly. Gallifrey as well? Absolutely. Where if- is Tektayun, by the way? Wait, that's a great question. <laughs> yeah, well, we do eventually find out. Really? But, yeah, in flux. I've forgotten. <laughs> yeah, Tektayun's coming back. Well, hooray. But <laughs> that is never addressed here. The Doctor's like, Shit, what happened to the child? That- what happened to the child? Not, oh. where the fuck was Tektayun the whole blooming time? Does this mean I need a Vindex icon for Tektayun? Yeah. Okay, yeah, right. I'll find. Okay, I've got a question about Tektayun. Uh, let's hear it. How did they get all this footage that the Dock and Master are standing there watching into the Matrix? This necessarily pre-Time Lord footage of her experimenting on the Timeless Child. Tech Tayun, this is a great question, but I think I might have an answer for you. Oh, that's fun. That's that's the best possible outcome. And it doesn't work with what you told me about Tech Tayun returning later on. Oh. Although, well, actually, it maybe does. This is a broader conversation all of a sudden I'm realizing. Tech Tayun at some point dies. There are no more regenerations for Tech Tayun. Oh, sad. Which is weird, because has she decided to give herself only 12 regenerations as well? Who knows? Even monsters have principles. She's done anyway. She's transferred into the Matrix. Oh, right. All of her memories are in there. I guess. Oh, so you get a Time Lord at the end of their life. I think that's how it works. I guess that's how it has to work. I say that's how it's... That's how it works, but that's not how it is in uh, Trial of a Time Lord. Trial of a Time Lord largely takes place in the Matrix. Okay. So, okay, crash course in Trial of a Time Lord. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Hey, Doc, you've committed genocide. Yeah, what else is new? Well, that's (laughs) deserving of the death penalty, according to Gallifrey. Since when? (laughs) Since forever, it turns out. Fuck, I wish someone had told me because I've killed plenty of species. Right. (laughs) How are you going to prove that I did all those things? Easy. (laughs) Let's have a look at the Matrix in which we have full serials of Doctor Who because only you, Doc, were in them. You are still alive. We are talking about, you know, the death penalty, giving you the death penalty. We are going to kill you now. You must still be alive. Meaning Mm. you haven't extinguished all of your regenerations, but your memories are already in the Matrix. Yeah. Yeah. So, no. The Sixth Doctor was already in the Matrix, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So, so actually, there is a live feed from Time Lords into the Matrix. Constant somehow. live feed, yeah. And that would have had to have been set up after all of this nonsense yeah. that Tectoyan is doing. Unless, having gone mad with power and being held in such reverence as the founder of the new Time Lord elite cast. Yeah. Which is like, we must reenact... The events of my glorious life to date and upload them as a film, a presentation to be delivered later on just in case. <laughs> it's another thing that doesn't make sense to me. 
Who is going to direct this film? <laughs> we have uh, Barusa Jr. Yes, he's a Nepo baby, but he al- <laughs> he also directed that Pepsodent commercial. <laughs> Pepsodent? Flipping out. A deep cut. Wow, yeah. <laughs> You'll wonder where the yellow went. <sighs> Dear. Kushamas. Yeah. Jim McElhinney. Uh-huh. The way he gets Ryan to fight, and Ryan's like, I'm not sure. And he's he's just... He's not glorifying violence in that scene, but he, with such class, communicates that it is absolutely necessary. You don't have a choice. And this is a really contested moral area for Doctor Who especially. Like, they've dwelt on... The Doctor doesn't want to lift a gun ever. Yeah, that's true. This did contrast in my mind to the first time that we get to see Ryan taught a gun. Ghost Monument. Exactly. Because in this one, he says something to the effect of, you know, I'm not a very good shot. It's like, yeah, but the first time that we saw you, you were firing a space rifle and you were a fucking amazing shot. (laughs) (laughs) I thought the first time he was firing it, he did so badly and had to run back inside with his tail between his legs so quickly that that's why he's saying, no, actually, I've tried guns before and I just look like a twat. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that is that is perfectly possible. Yes. (laughs) But I just thought that that scene did such a lot of work and the acting, that it needed a presence like that to make that just fly by. And I guess I'm just saying Jim McElhinney, great actor. Yeah, well done. He did not have the juiciest of roles necessarily, but I was glad he was in it. He was great. Yeah. Yeah, he was truly great. He's also great in Game of Thrones. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Oh, can I just note how many parallels with Brendan we got? Yeah, please. Two and maybe a third. We had the falling off the cliff. Yeah. That was in exactly the same way, shot in exactly the same way. We had the interview. Here's why Brendan's dad was at his interview last week. You were like, what's he doing there? And I've got a question for you in that case. Why was Tech Tayun at the Division interview? Hmm. Does it seem like this is the one member of your society whom you should psychologically break down? No, it does not. Yeah. Break down one of your regular peeps. Don't break down this literal one-of-a-kind individual. <laughs> yeah, don't assume that once you've figured out this one secret about them, that's it. There's nothing exactly. else special there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the genetics is all of it. That won't be expressed in any ways, character-wise. Like, oh. Yeah. Oh, that is such a good point. Yeah, it's dumb is what it is. <laughs> it's really dumb. Yeah. And I thought that maybe when the kid is laid up in bed yeah. in Ascension, that sort of reminded me of them in the dentist chair. Maybe that might be a third one. Yeah, okay. But the clock, the clock says on it, for service to the division, doesn't give away any clues. That's a super weird clock to give to someone, by the way. Well, I think a carriage clock was typically what you would get for long service what, it, in okay. the past. But, but. Yeah, okay. So, all right. <laughs> Why does it say for service rendered to the division and all memory of this is going to be erased? Also, everything surrounding it, including the shape of it as a clock itself, is chameleoned to be uh, the garter. 
Yeah. Why wouldn't it say for service rendered to the Garda? Oh, yes. Slash, why wouldn't it be a space clock from fucking Gallifrey that says for service rendered to the division? By the way, <laughs> haha, in your face, you smell. You're not going to remember this. Yeah, do they want her to remember or not? Why is Tectayan dangling this? It's so weird. It is weird. And the only explanation is because it's a TV breadcrumbing a mystery. Yeah. Show. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like that. No. Mm, okay. What's your final point, dude? Okay, final point is appropriately the cliffhanger. Okay. Doc is taken to prison. Yes. That prison is incredibly obviously Sharda. Oh, is it? It turns out it's not. No. But I'm sure the entire fandom at that point went, Sharda! Mm. You know, holy smokes, it looks exactly like Sharda. That's what, that's what it is. Yeah, although it doesn't make sense because Gallifrey's just been completely destroyed. But Shadow was a prison, so maybe yeah. it was just like this independent entity. Yeah, it's got to be somewhere else, yeah. Yeah. And with no Time Lords around, the Jadoon assumed jurisdiction. Yeah, so at this point we don't know that it's not Shada. Mm. So everybody's hoping it is. Plus point. Plus point. Plus point. Okay. Because I'm so thrilled that we're getting to see Shada. Are we though? We're not. But at this point, <laughs> not having seen the next episode yet, yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely shut up. Mm. Okay. I've only got one question, and that is Joe Martin. Yeah, what about her? We brought her up. I don't think she does very well. Yeah, she kind of, kind of phones it in, doesn't she? She's green screen for the whole thing, so I guess you could argue what can anyone do in front of a green screen? Well, it turns out that Paul Rudd can do plenty in front of a green screen. Like There are loads of actors who, while hating it, manage to do a good job. And I was just surprised because I've always liked Joe Martin when she's appeared to date. But here, she's delivering her lines like she just got out of bed and missed her call to the studio. And Whoops, here I am. It's weird. So I'm afraid yeah. to say that's another minus. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Oh, do I want to end it there? I don't think I've got any better than that, though. Come on, we've got plenty. Yeah, all right, let's rate this. <laughs> <laughs> let's. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. Oh, okay, right. So we did not do the fingertip on tip of nose game podcast land, but we did just rock, paper, scissors it, and I won, by which I think that means I lost. So I'm going first. So here we go. I don't know how that works. You (laughs) sound so sad about having won. (laughs) No, no, I don't mind. No, I'm not sad about that. I'm sad about my rating because I've already written a numeric value yeah and i already disagree with it it's either way too high or maybe a little bit too low and i don't know which but it's probably way too high (laughs) so here we go okay i already hinted at this here's what i found when i rewatched this last night i surprisingly was not upset by the gallifreyan backstory with the exception of two things neither doc nor division had any place in it. The backstory is actually kind of awesome, I feel. I just wish the kid hadn't been Doc and I would have been okay with that. So what if the Time Lord stole their regenerative ability from someone else? As I said before, the Master has stolen his regenerations from plenty of people by now. Big whoop! You might even say that sort of behavior was in his genes all along. Plus, it had to come from somewhere and after 70 years worth of examples, it goes without saying that the Time Lords are your basic space c- so what's the big deal, bro? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what's the big deal, other B, and I'll thank you not to call me bro. 
I totally appreciate that this is a personal subjective assessment, but to me, Doc has always been a bit of a quirky every person. They're just a clever clogs who was in the right place at the right time, they stole a ride, and they've been trying to see bigger and crazier things ever since. In many ways, Doc is just a nerd living their best life. We don't need this Skywalker bullshit of, wow, obviously she's the chosen one, quite the contrary. Much of the joy derived from this show hinges on this character being anything but. How about this? How much more powerful would the Timeless Child backstory have been if Doc and the Master had both been betrayed, although I really don't think the Master was at all, and now the difference in their reactions is what sets them apart. So the Master, for example, wants to kill their entire species, and Doc maybe wants to go back and reunite the child with its family, and has to reconcile the fact that it would cost her species the regenerations and herself at least 12 of her past lives. That, to me, is way more interesting hmm. than, oh, I'm Space God. Shrug. Whitaker is mostly okay, although she did get on my nerves in a few scenes, mostly towards the end. The fam is the fam, barely notice them, who gives a shit? Foe, right, Ashad was terrifying, loved him, and the more terrifying he got, the more I loved the scene of the master shrinking him like it was nothing. Nice stuff. The master, mm. by the way, I think I said this before, I really enjoyed him in this, I, I, at least for what he was. I liked him here in all the ways that I was annoyed by him in Power of the Doctor. Production value is your run-of-the-mill, off-the-chart, awesome balls. Greatest asset is the gumption to try to do something new and innovative. Biggest flaw, however, is that after preparing for his swan-dive triple somersault into the history books, Chibber's kind of slipped on the edge of the diving board and tummy planted so hard that the show has had the runs ever since. Second biggest <laughs> flaw... <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant, love it. Second biggest flaw is the string of really lazy conveniences at the end of the episode. Main takeaway, hooray, that must be shot at the end. Plus points, phew, clearly they haven't forgotten where this show started out. Oh shit, I've arrived at the rating yeah, and I, I'm yeah. already regretting it. Oh, oh fiddle. You, we're so primed. Bits. Oh, my Stop God. Stop edging us towards this rating. Sorted. I've already talked myself down. What I'd written down was 1.8. Yep. I'm giving it 1.6. Okay. 1.6. Right. It's a great mini. Says a lot of what I wanted to say, but better. <laughs> I love the talk about the Doctor not only is an alien, but is the god of the aliens. Like, we don't need them at two removes for relatability purposes. It's just impossible. What, exactly. Where's the fun in that? Exactly. She may as well be Kurt Russell, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 now. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're dealing with. <laughs> Nonsense. Huh, so what have I written? Well, I've written that this is a grand finale epic in scope and budget. Watching it with your brain switched off when you're up with insomnia and enjoying it is perfectly possible. I did it two weeks ago. <laughs> it barrels along, making an absolute mockery of logic, but propelled by an engaging outline of preposterous folly. Yeah. But with a critical eye engaged, the deficit becomes gaping. There are so many unanswered questions, more perhaps than even Flux will generate, and that took six episodes rather than three or maybe two. All this time when we were asking who was really in charge, was it the Siberian, was it a Shad, was it the Master? It turns out nobody was at the wheel, barely even the writer slash showrunner, unless you count Joe from Derry Girls bundling the long-time <laughs> listener first-time caller Siberian back into the past when it should obviously be the future, as we said. Jodie Whittaker did well, but in the interstices of an episode about her character's history even when an episode is all about the doctor the 13th incarnation is paralyzed at the heart of it 
And her interactions with the master, that whole relationship, okay, they can be implacable foes, but does he always have to be pointing the weapons in the doctor's face, shoving it? And she's not even flinching. She's barely even rolling her eyes at this point. It's not having an effect on her. It's not having an effect on me as the viewer, except to irritate. There was far too much standing around in this episode when they're talking for ages about, Graham, your plan to hollow out the Cybermen is nonsense. And by the way, the surveillance systems on this ship are all pointing at us right now. They just spend a couple of minutes chatting about the pros and cons and, well, we don't have any alternatives. And then later on, the red light starts flashing and then there's something wrong. So good job, surveillance systems. Later on, when Kashamas rocks up, Kashamas, who I otherwise really like in this episode, community, pillow forts or otherwise, everybody just stands and watches him give his avuncular speech to the doctor saying like, ah, this is actually my backstory. This is the whole thing. It's really lazy if you think about it for more than a second. But I'm going to say, go away and, and have a grand life and whatever and nothing's happening and there's a whole bunch of cyber masters and what are they doing and then they just go or they don't and neither makes sense and it undercuts the one bit i think that really works which is when jodie is called on to carry the weight to look like she might sacrifice herself they achieve a moment of profound jeopardy and hopelessness and when i say they i mean jodie and the whole show like everything comes together at that point and i was like wow how can they get out of this one maybe this really is the end for the doctor and knowing that the doctor can never end never be killed fully yeah that takes some doing to set that up and i thought it completely worked and then kashamas runs in and the resolution ruins it where am i going graham provided some nice notes ryan too yes maybe one and a half (laughs) hey that sounds like a fun rating (laughs) 1.5 fantastic very good Right, well, we are very much on the same page. That's an excellent mini Yeah, yeah, thanks for coming down to me. I'm glad I talked <laughs> you down to roughly there. But what about Podcast Land? We haven't had a chance to talk them down. Oh my goodness, that's such a good point. Listener minis, now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Shazamatron Podcast Land, and welcome to the listener mini section of this podcast episode. Oh, we've been expecting you. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, who sent something in for this one. We're going to read most of you in, in full. Here we go. Who's first? First up, it's Kieran Evans. What up, Kieran? What's up, Kieran? Kieran starts. Hi, folks. Hi, Kieran. So this one with the master's narrated PowerPoint presentation. I'll get to my thoughts on the timeless child in a bit, but can we all agree that the Doctor finding out in this manner is not a good way to do so? It robs the Doctor of agency for a large part of the episode. It would have been better if the Doctor had found it out for herself. And saved us a whole load of Aragoning. That's a fair point. That kind of tallies with what I was suggesting a couple of weeks ago of like, why don't they just walk side by side? Why don't we get these two? I'm doing the hand thing again here, Podcast Land. Why don't we have these two parallel narratives of Brendan in Ireland and Doc on Gallifrey? And at some point, whatever they're experiencing just tallies and she remembers or she recognizes or whatever it is. We, the audience, recognizes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that could have been more interesting. Yeah, it might have been a slightly more conventional way of doing it. Yeah. But it turns out that this time 
You didn't it, need to reinvent the wheel. But it's also pretty conventional to just have the bad guy tell you everything. Yeah. Which is oh, what happens true. here. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Kieran continues, the master's disappointment at Ashad's desire for the Cybermen to be robots is quite fun. Agreed. Favorite part. <laughs> Writers often use them just as robots when they are so much more. So this feels like a wink at that. The master being disappointed that shrinking a shad didn't trigger the death particle is interesting and does suggest that he doesn't really want to do what he is doing. Yes, true. Mm. Also, how has it become a myth that Ashad has the death particle? Excellent question. <laughs> Seems a bit weird. Yep. And at the end, they just dump a bunch of future people on 21st century Earth. Hmm. And they're here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they ever bring them up again, continues Kieran, and Deus Ex Kashamus. Hmm. <laughs> Deus Ex Koshamas can go and do one. The <laughs> fact that we have all these people in 21st century Earth is redonkulous. <laughs> yeah, that is absolutely redonkulous. That's the sort of consigning yourself to the fate of, yeah, humanity is no more in whenever this is where we start off this episode. Yeah, but we have Netflix, so we'll just try to forget. How are they going to get Netflix? How are they going to get... They don't have a an national, identity. A national insurance number. Like, What are they going to do? I don't know and they're not going to be in contact with the fam come the next episode so they've just completely left them to survive as best they can Pretty Patel is going to chuck them into the channel like they're, they're, they're here without <laughs> papers yeah yeah mm. right <laughs> Karen continues so the timeless child's ellipses I still haven't actually decided on it, even with a rewatch. As an idea, it's not actually too terrible. Agreed. Only if it's made clear that when they wiped all trace of it, they made the Doctor a Time Lord, and not that the Doctor remains whatever the Timeless Child with its unspecified amount of regenerations. Yes, they don't say the Timeless Child has unlimited ones. Mm. Is. My biggest thing is it's telling us about the Doctor's past, which I don't like. I like it being mysterious, unexplored. That is this one's biggest crime for me. And Kieran gives this a rating of 1.8 out of 5. Off to not Sharda with you. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, Kieran. That clearly was Sharda. <laughs> Thank you for your mini. Very, very good stuff. People who are not Kieran can follow Kieran... Where, Drew? They can follow Kieran at KJ Evans 2. For, for all, all your Evan needs. needs. Thank you, Kieran. Who's next? Next up, it's... Daniel... Daniel McGinley. Daniel McGinley. Daniel McGinley. Daniel McGinley. McGinley. <laughs> Hello, Daniel. What's up, Daniel? If you could only see the dance that we do when we sing your name. <laughs> oh, the shoulder work. <laughs> Daniel McGinn's. I'm not going to analyse this. Just see my previous reviews. Exposition. Poor characterization, Irritating mannerisms. Banal music. Moralising lectures. Etc. Etc. Instead, I'll focus on how it felt. Daniel McTinues. <laughs> <laughs> like Ponkin. Oh, that's me. I've watched and rated every story, including endless hours of grainy telesnaps. Not always bad, but sometimes a grind. To go from beginning to end, only to be told it's all been a lie, and the Doctor isn't who we thought, dumps on 60 years of brilliance. Does it dump? <sighs> I think this is this is something that maybe we should have discussed in depth, but I think this, a huge part of the fandom thought that it did. I, yeah. I don't personally feel quite so drastically about it. I don't yeah. know if you do. I don't think you do. But a, a lot of people did. The thing I find okay about it is explaining whatever information they were fed as youngsters as a Time Lord creation myth. 
because every society is elite. You know, the monarchies, just elites. It all comes down to the stories they tell. And to say that one didn't tell a story would make it the outlier, if anything. So, yeah, that they're uncovering the layers and they haven't fully explored what actually this is. Yeah, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Sorry that isn't articulate, but I didn't have anything prepared. <laughs> oh, but Daniel continues yet further. The Doctor evolves. It's one of the beauties of the show. Little hints of backstory drip-fed over time. And so long as you respect a few canonical givens, the character can be any sort of person. We've seen Grumpy, Hyper, Mysterious, Male, Female. The charm was they were never anyone special. Uh, Here we go. There we go. Just someone who ran away. Now, Time Lord God! Here's my friend who agrees with me. How much leeway do you need, Chibnall? Yeah. This felt like losing a lifelong best friend, says Daniel, and whilst being devastated and sick, then being insulted, no worse, laughed at, foolish enough to sit through all 336 episodes? Ah, you idiot. And to have the nerve to include some clips of previous good Doctor Who just to rub it in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think Daniel very clearly embodies that part of the fandom who felt very much betrayed by this kind of rewrite. Yep. And that all stacks up. I'm not going to argue against any of that. Oh. Yon Huback wins score numerically, deducting points for plot holes or bad acting. My scores are based on enjoyment. Some nonsensical stories are such fun. Hey, did you see my rating for Paradise Towers? This doesn't even get marks for having Doctor Who in the title, as it is no longer that. Wow. And Daniel gives this 0.1 out of 5. A disgraceful travesty. Mmm. Wow. Yeah, I'm really pleased that we got someone speaking from this part of the fandom about it. Because this was a huge thing. I remember, you know, the internet being ablaze with... Not all of the internet, but let's say half of the Whovian internet was kind of ablaze with exactly this opinion. Betrayal. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And this isn't betrayal at holding on to a doctor of any particular phenotype. It cuts to the very heart of their character and motivations and their essence. Yeah. So, yes, that that all... Very well put, Daniel. Yeah, very well put indeed. Might not fully agree with you on all those points, but it's a great mini and perfectly valid opinion nonetheless. So thank you so much. People who are not Daniel can follow Daniel in two different forms. On Twitter, at Daniel J. McGinley, and on Insta. At Planet. Underscore. Of. Underscore. Giants. (laughs) That's right. Thank you very much, Daniel. Who's next? Why, next up, it's Michael... Richway! Richway! Hello, Michael. Love you, Michael! Michael starts with some likes. First like. The division seems cool. The master is on top Looney Tunes form. There's some nice cyber carnage, and the cyber lords is a neat concept. Next like. Cheeky shot of the seventh doctor during the doctor's matrix overload from delta and the bannerman if i'm not mistaken Ooh, we just reviewed that <laughs> if we're rating five out of five he says yeah we get it yeah michael. huge surprise <laughs> <laughs> michael also has provided two first 
Why is the Cybermen's armor so shit? Why are they such terrible shots? Do the Cyber Lords only have 12 regenerations or infinite? Hey, good question. Why don't they blast Cole as soon as he walked into the room? Excellent question. He wasn't moving fast. I yep. know. He's in his 70s and had st steps to walk down. Everybody gets one, Aragorn. <laughs> Why is Ashad so gullibly trusting of the master? All great points. Yeah, that could be five separate beefs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Michael's second beef is opinions on the Timeless Child revelation probably depend on whether one is awed by the mystery wrapped in an Enigma retcon or equate it to Suella Braverman. <laughs> Second time she's come up in a couple of minutes. Maybe it also depends on whether the concept is ever mentioned again or consigned to the dustbin of Chibnall's reign. Had there been no explanation for Matt Smith's regeneration into 13, I would have bought it. As it is, the crowd is booing. Boo, they shout. <laughs> and they are throwing plastic bottles filled with wee. Are you part of that crowd, Michael? You don't make that clear. Well, Michael does give this a rating of 2.3 out of 5 plastic bottles of wee being thrown at the writers, so <laughs> maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Excellent mini, Michael, as always. People who are not Michael, please, come on. What are you doing with your lives? Do yourselves a favor and follow Michael online. He can be found at bad. Underscore. Movie. Underscore. Club. The best favor you'll ever do yourself. Love you, Michael. And when you have followed him on Twitter, please tell him, Michael, so, so big. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. Who's next? Right, next up, it's Jethro Roos. <laughs> Hello, Jethro. Jethro begins and ends. My dear old things. Oh, my giddy aunt. This is bollocks. 0.9 out of 5 bollocks. <laughs> bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> With champagne wishes and caviar dreams, Jethro, kiss. Kiss to you, Jethro, you fabulous chap. I wonder what kind of creature has 5 bollocks to rate this <laughs> 0.9 out of. People who are not Jethro, please say hi to Jethro. Give him a gigantic Twitter hug from us. You can be found at Jethro. Underscore. Roos. That's Roos, like Moose. That's right. <laughs> that, that is right, yeah. Right, we've got one more, and we're going to do snips, snippity, snips, 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 because it's 250 words or busts. It's Tans, and Tans says, what a Drew? Tans ends by giving this a 1.2, simply because I like Sasha Dewan as the master, Joe Martin as the fugitive doctor, and Ashad the lone Cyberman. Fair. The rest is either crap or too much CGI Cyberman. <laughs> also fair. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, people who are not Tans, head on over to whoback1.com, read Tans' mini in its, or, well, Maxi in its full splendor, and say hi to Tans online. You can be found on Twitter and Insta at Tans Six Fingers and... Tans Six Fingers. Respectively. <laughs> Thank you very much, Tans. The number on Twitter and the word on Insta. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that clears that up. <laughs> Did you say Twitter? Why, Someone did. Why? What a segue. Because, <laughs> fun fact, the last night, last night, two nights ago, whenever it was, trying to summon more people to send us listener minis for this particular episode, just said, hey, peeps, we're recording. Oh, yeah, it was last night. Just, just said, hey, peeps, we're recording tomorrow night. Send us your minis. And a few of you couldn't even be asked to send us minis for this one because that's how <laughs> greatly, how fond you are of this episode. No, that's how concisely it could be summarized. <laughs> that's also a fair point. <laughs> so here are a few examples of that. Johnny May at a John Main sent us a meme that said, no, nah, that was Pishman. Mm. Yeah. Kyle, the sinister super spy, 
said, skip to the end. Kyle, I've missed you. Hey, Kyle. Hi, Kyle. <laughs> Dr. Bruno Taltalian at Bruno Taltalian said, I have only one single complaint about the Timeless Child thesis, namely that it is utter bollocks. Here's our friend who agrees with Jethro. <laughs> yeah, well done. Nice. <laughs> And Dugat, John SMI, 61878230, said, oh boy, this will be fun. Well, I hope you found that to be the case. Yes, so do I. Thanks, peeps. I am glad, like you said, that Podcastland wrote in and said exactly what they felt about yeah. this being complete bollocks. It's not about ownership, even. No. It's not about being too precious no. with the parameters of the show. It's that this undoes something fundamental. In what people appreciate about this show. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely right. These are mini minis in their own rights and so incredibly valid. <laughs> yeah. So thank you very much, guys. That's it for our timeless children. Review. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a blast discussing it with you, dude. No, thanks. Fortunately, you'll be happy to hear this is not the end of Doctor Who. Phew. Well, <laughs> I, uh, for everyone except Daniel McGinn. <laughs> Sorry, Daniel. And who back when shall persist and review comes next? What is coming next? Next will be a classic. The Seventh Doctor Returns in Dragonfire. That is right. I don't know if you're joining us for that one. It has a literal cliffhanger. Oh, yes. Michael's written about that. Yes, indeed. Oh, goodness. Yeah, yeah. Famous moment. Yeah, yeah. Might be worth a visit. After that, we're jumping into New Who territory again with Revolution of the Daleks, the New Year's special. Yes, our re-review. Yes, that's right. So in anticipation of that, you've got two weeks podcast land if you're listening to this today. <laughs> that, that works. Yeah. In that time frame, please do listen to our original review of Revolution of the Daleks. And in the audio channel, we will resurrect it for Doctor Who Redacted. Yes. At some point, don't know when. At some point in, in time. Yes. Yeah. But in the meantime, people can say hello to us as well, I believe. Drew, are you available on the interwebs? I am, but only indirectly at whobackwhen at gmail.com. <gasps> I can't be asked with Twitter anymore. I just can't. I was only mostly on it for Michael, and it turns out that he's only on it for me, who back when, and James O'Brien. <laughs> fair. That's yeah. totally fair. Mm. <laughs> Leon, how about you? Are you still out there? I am ostensibly available on Twitter, yes. You can find me at Ponkin, P-O-N-K-E-N. I will effectively never, ever tweet anymore because I also have had it, but I do use it to interact with people. So, yep, say hi. Yeah, and he'll say hi right back. I will. Peeps, you've been an absolutely lovely audience, so thank you so mm -hmm. much for lending us your earballs. Until the next time, please be rad and excellent to one another. Rock on and cha-chao. Bye-bye. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at who back when. All in one word. 
Check us out on Instagram for behind-the-scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher, and head on over to our website, whobackwhen.com, where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives, and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao ciao. Who back when?